I tried that and then a chunk of wood fell into the burner and killed the burner so I had to disassemble the whole thing and uh, yeah, I really wanted it to be wood fired. Indiana, a state that practically worships basketball, but when it comes to food, might not get as much attention as it deserves. Yes, corn and soybeans are everywhere, but in cities like Bloomington and especially Indianapolis, there is a nascent food scene. In the case of the latter, several restaurants led by young chefs using artisan salumis and prosciuttos coming from Smoking Goose Meadery. The guy behind a pair of artisan neo-Neapolitan joints had to make a serious pivot when the oven he ordered wasn't exactly what he was expecting, but it hasn't affected the quality of his pies. The story of King Doe, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome, everybody. Another great uh, week to have you along here with us on this pizza adventure around the country. Hope you enjoyed uh, the show two weeks ago from New Haven. Still buzzing about that. That was such a great experience. Um, Today we're talking about the Midwest, uh, specifically flyover country here in the middle of nowhere. Now, I say that jokingly, of course, um, as a product of the Midwest myself. But I spent some time recently in Indianapolis, a short three-hour drive from Chicago, down there doing some research, checking out some new restaurants, going to be doing a story for my other job at ABC7 here in Chicago. And one day was uh, doing some, just interviewing, talking to the guys from Smoking Goose Meadery, a really fascinating project they have there that just keeps growing, producing some of the best the best prosciuttos, duck prosciutto, I should say, and duya, um, really artisan, uh, smoked, cured meats from this facility that is in kind of a weird part of town. It definitely doesn't feel like residential. Um, It doesn't feel like an industrial park either. But uh, after we did this tour, we walked across the parking lot to this place called King Doe for a pizza. And, you know, I got to admit, wasn't expecting much. And boy, was I surprised. And it wasn't wasn't a wood-burning oven. It was this rotating deck and a gas-fired oven. And you'll hear that story today. It was kind of an accident. And uh, Adam Sweet is the owner there, and like a lot of guys, kind of stumbled into the business. You know, didn't didn't have a long history of pizza, uh, sort of artistry or passion, or had, had worked his way up. He just, you know, he loved pizza like a lot of guys, and kind of stumbled into this business and has really made it his own. Started in Bloomington, Indiana, home of Indiana U- University. Any um, IU alumni out there, I mean, they might even know this place called King Doe. And then uh, more recently, he opened up in Indianapolis. And but talk about an advantage being across the street or across the parking lot from Smoking Goose. Uh, he's got everything at his fingertips there. And um, his dough is kind of a neo-Neapolitan. It's, like I said, it's not wood-fired, but he does get that leopard spotting around the edge. It's a soft, chewy exterior, and it's not a super wet middle either. It's It's got some firmness to it, bakes just a little bit longer, um, about two minutes and change. So I started today by asking Adam, um, who is from the Deep South, uh, what his first pizza memory was. Earliest pizza memory, so I'm from a small town in Arkansas called Jacksonville. 
It was just chain stuff. It was very lame, very bad. Uh, my first. Are we talking like Domino's, Pizza Hut, the usual suspects? Caesars, Domino's, Pizza Hut, but sure, you know. I loved them as a child, but it wasn't until I was roughly 15 years old where I ate at a place called Vino's in Little Rock, which is like a brewery and just New York style pizza shop. Grimy, nothing crazy, but that's like the first one that like I was like, this is awesome. So how old were you then? Like a teenager? I was 15. I, I went there because that's where all the punk bands played. And then did you work in the pizza business at all as a kid? Not until I got my first dishwashing job there. So, and then how did you end up in Indiana? Uh, I followed a friend here who was a musician, and it was an easy, cheap place to live and tour from. And basically, I finished high school, and he was like, you've got nothing going on in Arkansas. So I was like, you're right. I'm coming. But your first place was in Bloomington, Indiana, not here in Indianapolis. Right. Yes. So followed my wife here. Or didn't follow her. We, I met her here. And then after we were expecting our firstborn daughter, we uh, moved back to Arkansas. Didn't like living there very much at all. Came back to Bloomington, where we met. We had friends in the restaurant business already. And just, yeah, picked up a, a mobile oven and hit the ground running. Built our name from literally the street up. And so King Doe was born when? 2015, early 2015. So, so early days, what were you doing? Were you looking at books? Were you talking to, did you have a mentor? How did you start out? Yeah, I had a mentor. I was part of a restaurant group in Little Rock before we moved back to Bloomington, where uh, brewery, Mexican restaurant, pizza shop, and I picked up with him in the pizza shop and worked my way from dishwasher to business partner for those guys. And uh, yeah, eventually just did not want to be the little guy on the totem pole anymore, and that's why I left, but they are huge mentors of mine. Uh, it's called Yellow Rocket Concepts in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Would you recommend starting off as a dishwasher and then kind of getting into the business side of it before you start making dough? 100%, yeah. Like, I think that the dishwasher is the most important person, hands down, in the restaurant. I hear that all the time. Yeah, for sure. They crumble, we all crumble. <laughs> so, okay, so tell me the early pizzas. What kind of pizza were you making? Uh, early on, it was, you know, always margaritas, kind of like the go-to. Um, and then from there, just whatever I could get locally, like, just sourcing things from local friends and stuff in the business because early on we didn't have a real kitchen to work out of. So I was just like going to our friends, like salami makers, like smoking goose or getting coffee from our friends at Hopscotch in Bloomington and wrote like braising pigs and coffee and all sorts of weird stuff. Um, but yeah, early on it was kind of like just the classics with the mobile oven margarita, uh, the uh, very maligned pork and pineapple pizza, uh, prosciutto and arugula. Pretty standard stuff early on. But in terms of style, it sounds like Neapolitan. You're using a wood-burning oven. You're using you using Caputo Double Zero flour. Like, what's the pizza like? I was early on using Caputo out of the gate. Always was kind of not a big fan of using non-domestic flour. I wanted to get everything I could as close to home as possible. That is such a thing here in this part of Indiana, right? Really working with whatever is local. For sure. And I definitely wouldn't say that King Arthur flour is local, but. It's much more local than the other side of the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you started off with Caputo, then then what? Uh, King Arthur. So it actually was a long time coming trying to get my hands on it because where we were in Bloomington, none of my reps carried King Arthur. It was really hard. It was kind of like twisting arm situation until I told one of our reps that I've had for a long time that we were uh, we found somebody that had it and we were going to go with them and then. What do you know? They found some King Arthur flour to sell to us. And, and were you messing with hydration levels, with fermentation times? Were you really tweaking as you went along? Oh, yeah. Every single day I was tweaking everything. Like My kitchen staff at the Bloomington store were always annoyed that whenever it came time to make dough, they'd have to come to me every single time and be like, what's different today? What are we changing? What did you do yesterday? Uh, what are, how much water are we adding? Are we changing flour? Uh, are we doing? Yeah. 
a million different things. Throw some beer in there, like whatever. So how long, so you started in 2015, how long into this until you were satisfied with the pizza you're making in Bloomington, Indiana? Three years in, for sure. Three years? Totally, oh yeah, for sure. And I. So those kids who went to Indiana like in 2015, 16, 17, think they had this great pizza and right. you would tell them, no, it wasn't the pizza we do today. Oh no, I'd tell them it was the best pizza on earth. <laughs> uh, but in my mind, this uh, it's kind of a, a thing that I think I have all in common with a lot of people in restaurants is like, people will love it, but I'm always like, I can do better, we can do better. Like, there's always something to tweak and, you know, make it, you know, improve on everything. Well, that is such a common refrain from pizza makers around the country. You know, they're never quite satisfied. They're always trying to improve every every day. Right. So you were never really fully satisfied with the pizza you're making. Right. I'm, I'm just now getting to the point where I have to make myself satisfied. It's still always something that's like, I want to tweak things, but having two locations now, it's a lot more difficult to alter things on the on the spot or anything without having to be like, all right, everybody stop what you're doing. And like, you know, have phone meetings with my kitchen in Bloomington or have them here in Indianapolis and you know, change it all up. So you mentioned the second place. We're standing in the second place in Indianapolis, um, right across the parking lot from Smoking Goose, which is the most amazing cured meat and meatery destination. Anyway, you opened here back at the beginning of the year, yeah? January-ish, yeah. So again, different oven. This is what I'm curious about. You want to do the same style of pizza, but you decide to go with a completely different oven. Why? Uh, it was an accident, honestly, out of the gate. Uh, so we ordered it through a second party equipment sales place, and I'd ordered a rotating floor wood-burning gas assist oven, and they shipped me a rotating floor strictly gas oven, and I just kept it wrapped until I was like done building everything. And then when I opened it up, it was like, oh, there's no wood as an option to this. So we have the oven that we have now by accident. We've learned to love it. So you had to kind of rethink your, your pizza approach, yeah? For sure, yeah. I really had no idea what we were getting into from uh, the execution of the pizza until like two or three weeks before uh, we opened up whenever I could just start training everybody and learning the equipment myself, really. So this is, um, this is called a Mara Forni. Yeah, this is the Mara Forni. In Bloomington, we have a Pavese. Uh, Pavese is the one they have at Roberta, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. The, the guys at Forza Forni uh, came out. They built a course on spot in about six hours. It was pretty impressive. They could do that that fast. Uh, I love that oven a lot, for sure. Now, this oven, it's a different bake time altogether. I was talking to the, the cook earlier. He said 180 seconds, three minutes, for sure. as opposed to a 90-second Neapolitan bake. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, We're definitely not looking to have that sort of a pizza, a knife and fork, soupy, wet pizza. Love them, but it's not what we're shooting for. We're in the middle of the Midwest, and people aren't aren't trying to eat their pizza with a fork here. <laughs> and so tell me about where, okay, so where we are. We're three hours south of Chicago. We're in Indianapolis. What's the pizza scene here like? I just call my guests Midwestern pies. They're very heavy, stick to your ribs sort of pizza, just shy of a Chicago deep dish, honestly, in my opinion. Okay, it's so this is so interesting. So someone who's from Arkansas saying it's a very Midwestern pie heavy. Now, I've lived in Chicago for 25 years. As you may or may not know, I wrote a book about pizza in Chicago. 25% of my book is tavern style, the bar pie, thin and crispy, square cut. You know, the, the, all the pizza magazines, Bonap is writing about this style of pizza. So when you think Midwest, you think heavy, thick, high walls. You don't think tavern style bar pie. I don't think tavern style at all. I love them. And I've honestly really just, I feel like a lot of people in the pizza scene at large have uh, kind of learned that, oh, I guess that uh, Chicago is not always like lasagna pizza. It's actually, yeah, like, like Star Tavern, New Jersey. See, I, I associate that style with New Jersey more. 
but you know the tavern the bar party with the chicago guy i don't know really you think yeah. of new jersey yeah that's what i think of for sure but it's only because i haven't been spent a ton of time in chicago and whenever i have it's been eating deep dish or you know poly g's or something like that oh, yeah. i'm gonna guess the wrong deep dish all right we're gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna keep talking with adam sweet here at king doe in Indianapolis. I'm going to talk more about his, his style of pizza he's making specifically with this oven that he did not intend to have. And then we're going to also preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. How crazy is it to think you can actually have your insurance company pay you to walk? United Healthcare isn't crazy. They just want you to be healthy. One of their programs is called United Healthcare Motion, where members can earn more than a thousand bucks a year toward their health reimbursement account just for walking. If your company works with United Healthcare, ask your friendly HR person about their programs. And if not, go tell them to switch today. Go to uhc.com/illinoismotion to get more information. United Healthcare, a proud supporter of the Illinois Restaurant Association and committed to your good health. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're talking with Adam Sweet here, owner of King Doe, two locations, uh, one in Bloomington, Indiana, where the Indiana University is, IU they call it, yes. right? And then one here in Indianapolis where we're standing. Now, we were talking the last segment about this oven, uh, which says Thunderdome on it. For sure. You can customize these ovens, right, on the yeah, tile? Yeah, all the tile work. You can spell it whatever you want it to on it. All right, but it's, it's a Mara Forney, and it's a rotating deck, so it's like a turntable on the inside, but it's just gas. You cannot put wood in this? Cannot put wood in there. I, I tried that, and then a chunk of wood fell into the burner and killed the burner, so I had to disassemble the whole thing, and uh, yeah, I really wanted it to be wood-fired. But, but again, no. so everybody I talked to with the wood game, First of all, you got to train somebody who really knows how to work the oven. Right. Secondly, you got to spend a shit ton of money on wood, sure. and th and third, it, it just it, it requires a lot more skill. Yeah. yeah. And also, I should say, they would argue that they they've told me you don't impart a lot of wood flavor when you're baking it for 90 seconds. You agree with all that? I agree. Totally agree with that. Yeah. It's not you're not in there long enough to actually smoke anything. You're just in there for that insane high dry heat. Okay, so you don't have that option now, so you've got to be happy about that, but at the same time, you've got to rethink how you make your pizza. For sure, yeah, it's not a whole lot of rethinking. It's, it's really easy, honestly, compared to the, the romance and the technique that comes with a wood-fired pizza oven, which is what I loved. Uh, and like I said, I tried to force some wood in there just so I could still say, it's a wood burn. It's still wood burn. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a little different, but it's not terribly bad. The, it's pretty high-tech operation where you can control how long the oven makes one rotation, to the degree of the heat, there's two burners in there. I only use one of them. Um, so your deck, your your oven temperature is about 900 degrees. Yeah. Your deck is what 700 or so? Something like that yeah. for sure. Yeah, depending on what time of the day it is. Now the key, you, know, you were telling me earlier, you like to be able to pick up a piece of pizza and even fold it, or you're not have any a lot of tip sag, right. um, which you cannot do with the Neapolitan style pizza, yes. knife and fork. And so people in this part of the Midwest don't want wet, soupy Neapolitan. That's what I would say, yeah, for sure, because we definitely still get those reviews where, like, by and large, we people really, really enjoy the restaurant. We're very successful, but it's still like that Midwestern thing where they come in, like, it's burnt, it's soggy, it's wet in the middle. I don't know. <laughs> Take this back to the kitchen, and I want it well done. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Can we send it back and we reheat it? No, you cannot have that. Okay, so how do you achieve this more substantial, sort of more, I guess, thicker in a way, uh, crust? 
just that, just like heavier dough balls and a little bit more time in the oven. Like I said, there's two burners, one on each side. I use one so that whenever we throw it in, it hits that hot side at first and then spends a little bit of time just kind of like ambient dry heat as it goes around and just kind of like treats it almost like a Neapolitan oven on the left side of the oven and more just kind of like a New York stone oven on the other way around. So just kind of saps moisture out of it a little bit. And in terms of, you said two types of flour, not just AP? Yes, we use uh, King Arthur Lancelot and Galahad. So that one's a bread flour, so you really right. that really helps as opposed to strength. All structure, that. St structure strength. That's a good word. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, fermentation, like 12 to 24 hours. That's usually the goal. About 12 hours for the starter to be mixed to be ready to use, and then about 24 to 48 hours dough ball from uh, rolling it to whenever it's actually out here getting used. But it's commercial yeast. It's commercial yeast. Yeah, yeah. Oh no no no! I'm sorry. It's starter. It's all natural oh, starter. All natural starter. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Both locations. Both locations, yeah. Okay. Seven-month-old starter at this point. And is that trickier to work with in terms of training people? I thought it would be, but no, it's not really. There's like definitely hiccups that come along with it because it is a living thing and it's, you know, it's a moody, live organism. And sometimes, like, the Bloomington store's kitchen is a little bit warmer at all times, so it re like rises and reacts a little bit differently than here. And sometimes it just explodes. It's just a, sometimes different things happen. You never know what to expect, and that's why like the Bloomington store had a starter that was about a year and a half old. It recently exploded in our dishwasher there, threw it away by accident, which we could have salvaged it, but he threw it away, so we had to piggyback on the indie store starter and bring it down there. When you have an accident like that, or when you have something that blows up or it's too hot, you throw away a whole batch and you have to start, I mean, no, you keep I would, some of that? No, I would definitely just like scoop some of it out and just like use that as the culture to get the next batch of starter, you know, on a... Uh, a reliable routine cycle or whatever. Okay, toppings. Let's start with the sauce. Um, you said Stanislaus? Stanislaus, yeah. It's Stanislaus crushed tomatoes, um, and then grande curd that we stretch the mozz ourselves. Then from there, uh, you know, the... Now, why grande and not uh, Belgioso, like some people we know like to use? Honestly, there's not a specific reason. The uh, vendors that we ha use here and have a really good relationship with, they carry grande and they don't carry the Belgioso. And I've never had, you know, any sort of problem at all with the grande. It's delicious. Belgioso is also good. It's, but every day you're pulling the curds and you're making the fruit de latte. Yes. Okay. Um, do you add anything to the sauce, like salt, basil? Just a little bit of salt, basil, and olive oil. Let's say let it kind of like do its own thing. Now, and then what about other toppings? So uh, you're sort of in that neo-Neapolitan area, so I'm guessing you're not doing like like in Chicago bulk sausage pinched and pressed with lots of fennel in it? We are doing that. You are doing that. Raw sausage that... Uh, Why didn't I eat that earlier today? Uh, hey, there's plenty of time. We have all night. Uh, so yeah, it's like our sausage recipe that we ship to, or give to one of our friends who has a uh, butcher shop here in town. He makes it all for us bulk, you know, locally raised pigs. And Do you use smoking goose stuff because it's across the parking lot? Smoking goose stuff, yeah. We use their Cotello, which is like a cut of the prosciutto. It's, it's incredible. It's super, super good. And they're in Duya. So, oh, and yeah. duya with what else? Uh, for their pizzas? Yeah, no, like when you put induya on a pizza, with the cheese and uh, the... So. We call it the induya punk, and it's, uh, so it's that, it's breadcrumbs, tomato sauce, raw onions, raw red onions, and fresh mozz, and then it comes out and gets ranch and pecorino. Is that a Dirty Harry reference, induya punk? Yes. Oh, okay, sure. I, thought, yeah. I just got that while you were describing yeah. the pizza. <laughs> okay, and what you said, you mentioned pineapple with yeah. something. Now... Dave Lichterman um, at Windy City um, in Seattle uh, roasts the pineapple. He actually cooks it a bit and gets some of that juice out. Right. What do you do? We just pickle ours. Pickle it? Yeah, we cut, cut it up, pickle it, and throw it on there. With what, with what else? Uh, so the pizza is just like pineapple, jalapeno, and uh, 
That one is Canadian bacon from Turketti's here in town. Wow, so quite a bit local that you're relying on. For sure, as much as we possibly can. If we can get it locally, we're going to get it locally, for sure. What do you like to drink with uh, pizza, beer or wine? Uh, whiskey and Coke. Whiskey and Coke? Whiskey and Coke, yeah, for sure. It's just the, my drink of choice. But uh, if I had to, uh, to name check friends here in town again, I would probably say uh, Sun King or Upland Beer. Okay, last question I ask everybody on the podcast is, knowing what you know now, and you've gone through lots of R&D, and you've worked with different ovens and different doughs, and you learned a lot about this process. What, would, what advice would you give yourself, let's say pre-2015, about going into the pizza business? Get ready for a long and rocky road. It takes a lot of time and effort, and uh, yeah, don't let uh, the struggles bog you down, I would say, for sure. Just be ready. All right, the restaurant again is called King Doe, uh, one location here in Indianapolis, another one, the original, in Bloomington, Indiana. Adam Sweet is the, what'd you call yourself, the pizza slinger? Pizza slinger, owner, yeah. Adam, thank you so much for your time and good luck. Sure, thank you. And coming up in two weeks, a trip to Denver, where a former Chicagoan is making the pizza of his childhood more than a mile above sea level. All of these people love this thing that we don't even eat, you know, and they're calling it Chicago and celebrating my city, but eating something that truly we don't really eat coming from Chicago, whether it's the suburbs or the city, the more commonly, as you, I don't have to tell you, but the more commonly consumed style of pizza, like the every week pizza, is this tavern style. I'll talk with Jared Leonard, the guy behind Grabowski's, which has a new location inside The Source, a collection of artisan shops in the Rhino District of Denver. That's in two weeks on November 22nd. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We are at Pizza City USA on Instagram. And for more info about the book and our weekly tours, visit us at PizzaCityUSA.com. I'm on all social media, by the way, at Steve Delinsky with a Y. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And next time you're in Chicago, check out Revival Food Hall in the Loop, where Dante's Pizza is currently baking its New York-style slices through the end of December. Thanks for listening, everybody. And here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio, always. Always.